Now that we have remembered Christ in communion, let's celebrate, let's give God a round of applause for everything he's done for us, praise him. I'm thankful that you're here tonight. Um, Last week, we had service as well, but if you weren't here, uh, we we were without power the entire time, and it was a a different experience. It it was completely in the dark, literally. Uh, If you were here, I may have not known you were here at all. It was like kind of we were hiding, which which brings me to this idea for tonight that we should stop hiding. Not that that you were hiding uh, in the dark last week, but but there are times in our lives when we need to realize that, that God has given us that victory and we can truly live. I want to thank you for being here tonight. If you may be watching online, uh, this will be the first time we've ever broadcast live on Wednesday night, but it's happening, so it's kind of a special occasion. So if you're watching online or you're watching this later, we're glad you've joined us as well. As well. Um, hiding can be fun, though. I don't know if you've noticed that. One of the, the favorite games that we've ever played at the Graber House is hide-and-seek. We could spend hours hiding and seeking. That's what you do in hide-and-seek, right? Yeah, hiding and seeking. Uh, it, it went on for a long time. Some of you can envision the seven of us doing that, right? I mean, it's a blast. It was a blast until the boys actually started being born, and Tiffany's like, you got to quit hiding from the little guys, okay? All kidding aside, we did like to play hide-and-seek a lot when the boys were younger. And then when Daly came along, we continued to play hide-and-seek. It kind of resurged in our house, and Daly was really into it. One day, Tiffany and Daly were uh, starting their day. Uh, Tiffany was going to take Daly to the babysitter's house, and she was going to go on a meeting out of town. The babysitter got back up till about nine o'clock. So she called me and says, can Daly come and hang out with you at the church office there in Hershey for a little bit? I said, sure. I love those uh, times just, just with uh, one child, one-on-one. And, and as I saw them pull up in the, in the parking lot at church, I went out of the church office to meet them. Strangely enough, Tiffany ran up to me and I was like, oh, she's going to give me a big kiss. And she said, um, she just whispered in my ear. She didn't give me a kiss. She just whispered in my ear. She said, your daughter is in the van and she is hiding, and she wants you to find her. Hi, the game was on, hide and seek. So I opened up the van door, and I, I looked under the front seats. I looked under the middle seats. I even looked on top of the, the third row, and I kind of knew where she was, but, but I made sure I didn't find her off the bat. But I started saying, where's Daly? Where's Daly? And after about a minute of that, I, I heard this little voice from behind the third row say, she's hiding. <laughs> and it was her. But, but I still didn't find her. So I went back out and I told Tiffany, I can't find her. And she says, well, keep looking. She's hiding. I looked on top of the van. I looked under the van. This all took place pretty quickly. I went back in the van and I said, I can't find Daly. Where's she at? And once again, I heard that little voice from behind the third seat. She's hiding. After about another 30 seconds, I yelled to Tiffany. I was like, well, that's too bad. I was wanting to take Daly in a little bit to play at Miss Kathy's house. She won't be able to go because I can't find her. All of a sudden, she popped up from behind the third seat, raised her hand, Daddy, Daddy, I'm here, I'm here. Daly realized really quickly at even age three or four that you don't go, in, you don't go anywhere in life if you're hiding. I want you to think about that for a second. You, you don't go anywhere in life if you're hiding. And I wonder how many of you are hiding tonight. You may be here in the building, you may be watching online, and you may be hiding Hiding from something you've done in the past that you don't want anyone to know. You may be hiding uh, from something that you don't know about in the future, hoping it doesn't come true because you're, you're in fear. You might be hiding about something that you did today that has stole your joy, has, has uh, stolen your hope and your peace, and you're not really living today. Here's one thing we need to process. I believe when we're hiding from God, it will always hinder our hope. 
hiding uh, limits our ability to truly live for God. And that's what we see God's people doing in today's text. If you have your Bibles, turn to Judges chapter 6. God's people in Judges chapter 6 are doing what God's people often do, doing what we often do so we can put ourselves in these shoes. They are hiding in fear, propelled by their sin. All throughout history, especially in the book of Judges, we see this reoccurring theme. The word of God says this time and time again, God's people did evil in his sight. Uh, Your version may say God's people did evil in the sight of the Lord, whatever it is. But time and time again, God's people in the cycle, they would be blessed, they would be set free, and then they would sin, and then they would hide. They would run from their responsibilities. Let me remind you, in Judges chapter 6, it wasn't very long after God's people, the Israelites, had just been released from Pharaoh. Remember the story with Moses? Hey, let my people go. Uh, God's people had been released. They had been set free from bondage. They, They had been pulled out of Pharaoh's hand by the mighty hand of God. And yet they ran back into oppression and captivity, not from a Pharaoh, but because of their sin. Look what Judges chapter 6 says. It says the Israelites, this is God's people, did evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord gave them into the hand of the Midian for seven years. The hand of Midian prevailed over Israel. So so God allowed them to go into captivity, and for seven years they were under the Midianites' control. And because Midian, the Israelites, provided themselves hiding places in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. God's people had been set free. They had been blessed They had been encouraged to go live, and because of their sin now, they're hiding in holes because of fear, because of oppression, and that was not God's will. I want to pause right here. I didn't practice this way. It's not my notes. It is not God's will for you to be in hiding. It's not God's will for you to live in fear of COVID or a financial crisis, of cancer. It is not God's will for people, his people, to live in fear. So what he decided to do at this time was to send a man, a leader, to bring them out of this hiding. His name was Gideon. He was an un- unlikely hero, but God went to him directly in the form of an angel. And here's what it says in Judges chapter 6, verse 12. The angel of the Lord appeared to this man, Gideon, and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Pause right here for a second. Gideon was anything but a mighty hero. The, the, the catch is, because God is with him, this guy's going to become a hero. But here's what Gideon said. Sir... If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestor told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. You may be thinking, where's God in all this? I don't know all the details of your life, but I know there's a common theme right now. If God was really in control, people are saying, what is going on? Has he abandoned us? Uh, why are, are things as hard as they are? Where is God at? And that's what Gideon was asking. And then, then the Lord turned and said to him, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. If you have been saved By the blood of Jesus, if you have been made new uh, through his power and his grace, God is sending you to live for him, wherever you are, wherever you go. But Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. Gideon is saying, you've got the wrong guy. My family doesn't even trust me to carve the turkey at Thanksgiving. 
I, 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 I'm not allowed to take care of the cats. I, I'm not the guy for this. I, I'm the least in my entire family, and my clan is weak. But God was ready to use Gideon in a huge way. Here's the, the biggest thing I see here as I reflect on this. Gideon had an inaccurate view of who he was because he had an inaccurate view of what God, who he was and what he was doing. Uh, you can't rightly view yourself unless you first rightly view God. And God could do anything that he sets his mind to. God's will will be completed. And if we're on his side, he will not let us fail. That's one of the reasons we worship. Every time we gather together at church, every time we gather outside, if we gather online, we are going to worship because we want to make much of the name of God and the name of Jesus because when we get him in the right perspective, the proper perspective he is, we have a chance to see us who we are, his children. And instead of Gideon looking at himself like a hero, he saw himself more like a combination of Homer Simpson and Barney Fife full of doubt, full of fear. That, that's really who Gideon viewed himself as because he, he was not seeing God for who he was. He had a small view of himself. Notice Gideon was questioning God's presence. He says, if God is really with us, why is all this stuff happening? But here's what the Lord said back to him in Judges uh, chapter 6, verse 16. The Lord said to him, I will be with you. Guys, that's the same promise you have tonight. You may be wondering, hey, I've made this mistake. This junk has happened to me. How am, am I going to move forward? The Lord is with you. It says, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Here, here's the d dilemma. The Midianites had extreme military power over the Israelites. Uh, history tells us the Midianites had uh, like 100,000 soldiers, and the Midianites uh, and the Israelites just had uh, a few trained men, if they were trained at all. And it was overwhelming. But God's power was going to change Gideon's thinking. I pray this message does the same for you. Our God is not a God of hiding. Our God is a God of hope. Our God is not a God of, uh, of fear and frustration. Our God is a God uh, of a bright future with an extreme faith. So the Lord looks at him and he says, Gideon, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to change your circumstances Guys, God wants to be with you. Each and every one of you, God is saying, I am here. I, I know your, your fears. I, I know the, 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 the doubts you have, but I am with you. And whatever you face, I'm going to make it seem like just one problem. You may have all these problems. You may have a, a few hundred thousand problems, but he says, I'm going to allow you to face them like you're just fighting one simple thing and you're going to overcome it. He's going to change your circumstances. Psalms 107 verifies this. It's another testimony of God's desire to change your circumstances. Here's what it says. God satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. You may be thirsty. You may be hungry. He wants to satisfy you. It says, some set in darkness and utter darkness, prisoners suffering in iron chains because they rebelled against God's commands and despised the plans of the Most High. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness, the utter darkness, and broke away their chains. But there must be a point where you say, I am thirsty, I'm hungry, I need your help. I need your help tonight. This is going to be very different, but I thought we better do this uh, tonight. If you are comfortable with this, please stand up. I need your help. I, I know some of you are about ready to doze off. Uh, not going to call any names out, but if you can stand up just with your feet together, your arms to your side, and I'm going to need your help in just a minute. Uh, I, I just had this picture of what it was like to try to break out of chains. 
And here's the reality. Sometimes we're, we're frozen and we can't move and we truly have to break out of chains. Sometimes we figuratively have to break out of chains. But I want you just to imagine that you're, you're uh, chained up, secured to the floor. Go ahead and close your eyes. Uh, ben, from the balcony, uh, you can get out the water balloons now. All right, no, there's no water balloons. Now, here's the reality. In, in, a, in just a second, I would like you to imagine with your eyes closed, and just when I, whenever I say go, to lift your right arm and your right leg and release from the chains that are bounding you. But do not touch anything. Do not hold on to anything. So if you're ready, raise your right arm and your right leg together at the same time. Go. Okay, pretty good. Good. It would have been interesting if you guys could have watched yourself become unstable there at the same time together. Go ahead and have a seat. Here's the reality. There, there is a time when, when, when we're bound and, and, and we're trying to break through and you will lose your balance because you're focused on the wrong things. The, 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 the issue is at times we must have a focal point to what was really going to, to stabilize us as we try to break through. And it's got to be Christ. Here's the reality, though. So many times people will try to hold on to things during times of frustration and fear to try to stabilize them, to try to give them some clarity, some focus. You know what it often is? Yeah, I've been listening to people. They find comfort in things like food. I've done that. Uh, people often try to find comfort and a focal point on alcohol, just kind of getting through the day. Some other people use exercise. Maybe it's cigarettes. It could be drugs. Uh, I've heard a number of people say, I'm just going to finally go on a vacation. We'll almost try to find anything to find balance to get through life, to, to try to help break us through, uh, free. But what God is saying clearly through Scripture is, you've got to trust in me. Uh, focus on my word. Focus on time with me in meditation and prayer. What's stabilizing you right now? Is it going to stand or are you going to be out of balance in darkness and chains? Not long ago, I heard an interview with Tim McGraw. I'm kind of a country fan. George Strait is the king of country. Uh, uh, but Tim McGraw is, is a fairly uh, successful man. He married Faith Hill. And in a lot of his songs, he will try to blend a little bit of, of, of truth about faith and, and trusting in God. But this, this interview, he was all out of whack when he was about finding balance. Someone asked him, how do you stay focused and balanced in life when life is crazy? And here's what Tim said. We always focus on the girls at the end of the day. If they are happy, it's going to be okay. They keep us balanced. I think I understand what he's trying to say. Our family is more important than the shows, uh, uh, the next album. Our family is what keeps us focused. But I want to tell you, if you are basing your focus in life on the emotions of three girls, because he's got three girls, you've got a lot to, to learn. It's very risky. I'm raising a little girl right now, and her emotions go all over the place. And I want you to know, Tiffany and I's uh, balance in life can't be based on how daily feels or we're in trouble. What are you focused on? Where does your balance come from? It cannot be a child's emotions. It can't be your spouse's emotions. It can't be your own, your own emotions. It can't be based on a feeling. It must be based on your faith being in Jesus Christ and him being Lord. God desires to give you hope in the future if you'll focus on him. He, he's got to be the center point. Here, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says this, God has set eternity in our hearts. Uh, there's a, a God-shaped hole in our hearts, uh, one theologian said. There, there's a desire for all of us to know uh, that we can trust our future, but still no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end, but we have to focus on him, and he's the one that gives us that balance. 
There's a Hebrew word that is thousands of years old that you can often hear uh, Jewish people say or, or maybe just uh, Christian culture say, especially around uh, maybe uh, the Passover time. They'll say shalom. You may have heard somebody say shalom, and it's a, it's a, it's a great blessing. It often means peace be with you. But a, a second meaning for shalom literally means to be balanced or to find stability. I pray that you find balance and peace within God as you focus on him uh, God's people here during this time where sin entered into their life again, they were hiding in holes with no peace, with, with no confidence. And God says, Gideon, I want to use you to bring stability and balance and peace back to my people. Remember this, God is wanting to offer peace. And he's saying, Gideon, I need to use you. So Gideon begins to think about this and he says, God, um, I'm not sure about this plan. Our army is very undermanned. I think I need more proof that you're going to be with me. So if you remember the story of Gideon, he says, God, I'm going to test you. He says, if, if you're really going to protect us, if you're really going to see us through this, you're going to offer peace through me, I'm going to put out this fleece, this, like, this little uh, like rug, and in the morning, I want the fleece to be wet and the ground to be dry, and I know you'll be with us. You know, that just doesn't happen naturally. If it does, it does everywhere. If it doesn't do, then everything's dry. And he says, uh, I'm going to put this fleece out. And he lays down the fleece. And sure enough, the next morning, the fleece is soaking wet, sopping wet, and the ground is, compl the ground is completely dry. You think that was good enough for Gideon? He said, no, God, I know you've done it once, but I think to be absolutely sure that you're going to be with me, that if I can really trust you, uh, I'm going to do this again. I'm going to put the same fleece out uh, tomorrow morning, and I want the fleece to be dry and all the ground to be wet. The next morning, the fleece was dry and the ground was wet. And Gideon's like, okay, I'm going to move forward in faith. And he begins to, de to, de to develop the army of God's people. And he brings 32,000 men together. And he's leading them, 32,000 men. And they have very little training. Uh, you might think, well, that's a pretty good-sized army. The only problem is the Midianites had 135,000 well-trained men. God's people are outnumbered four to one. It's a problem. Not only are they outnumbered four to one, uh, they really don't have the tactical skills as the other men. They're not as strong. They're not as developed. And God's like, we've got a problem, Gideon. And Gideon's like, you're right, we've got a problem. We're outnumbered four to one. And God says, no, we've got a major problem. A lot of your men are scared. They're not living in faith. So I want you to tell your men uh, if they are scared to go home. And Gideon says, what? We need everyone we've got. We can have. But here's what Judges 7.3 says this. Therefore, tell the people... Whoever is timid and afraid may leave this mountain and go home. So 22,000 of them went home, leaving only 10,000 willing to fight. Gideon's like, this is not good. We went from 32 to 10, and they still got 135,000. Uh, we're, we're now down 13 to 1. Gideon says, we've got a big problem. God says, you know what we do? There's still too many men. 10,000 is way too many to go in. I need you to trust me. So he says, Gideon, take your 10,000 men down to the river and have them drink. Watch them drink. And as they uh, go down to get water, if they lap up the, food, or the water like a dog and put their uh, face down in the water, send them home. But if they take the water and bring it up to their mouth and drink it as almost a cup and they keep aware of their surroundings, those are the men you're going to keep. 9,700 of those men got down on their hands and knees and lapped up the water like a dog, and Gideon sent them home. He was left with 300 men at what started out at 32,000. He was left with 300 men ready to fight. 
This is a problem. The ratio now, to, they're outnumbered, is 450 to 1. And God says, now it's time to go to war. Seems impossible. 135,000 to 3. Here's what I want you to process. When things seem impossible to the world, you still are unstoppable with God. I want you to think about this. When, when everything in the world seems like it's impossible, with God, you are still unstoppable if he's with you, if he's asking you to do something. Uh, we were just talking about school and this e-learning. Uh, it's going to happen in Greenville, Carlisle, wherever. There, there's e-learning. And a lot of parents are still concerned about this new math. How do I know how to do this new math equation? And I know new math is not that different than old math, but it scares us. You know, how are we going to get this? Here's an equation that you can take to the bank that's true, even more tr uh, true than one plus one equals two. God plus anyone equals a victory. If God has called you to do something and you're faithful to him, there will be victory in that. There will be a blessing in that. Maybe not as you see it, but God will, God's will will not be stopped. The statement is always true. God plus one is always a victory. When God is on our side, the victory cannot be stopped. So Gideon decided to stop living in fear, and he followed God's plan to a T. If you have time, uh, I would encourage you today or tomorrow, uh, continue to read the rest of chapter 8. God uh, gave the Israelites a, a, a tremendous victory with 300 men as they completed what God asked to do. And here's what really is exciting. My, my favorite verse of this entire story is this. These people who had been living in holes... In, in fear and frustration and doubt, after this victory, God gave them a time of peace and blessing because they were faithful to him. Here's what it says in verse 28. During Gideon's lifetime, the land had peace for 40 years. Don't you long for peace? Don't you long for a time of, of blessing, a time of assurance, a time of of just confidence that God is with you. It, it takes a moment where, where you, you put the fleece away and you say, we're gonna follow you, God. We're gonna, we're gonna be faithful no matter how impossible this seems. You might be, well, what if another disease comes along and it's much more uh, deadly than COVID? Well, what if, what if uh, this happens in my family? What if I lose my job? When you're faithful to God, he will honor you and there'll be peace no matter what happens. Stop hiding. Remember the people were hiding because of their own sin. And God says, will you honor me and be faithful and trust me? Because I can take care of you no matter what. Gideon was brought in as a man to bring God's people back into a relationship, back into a blessing and peace. But he wasn't sufficient. He, he couldn't be the ultimate sacrifice. And if you're a Christian, you, you probably know the rest of the story. But Christ was brought in in, in much the same way and more. When we had sinned and fall, fell, uh, fallen away from God in a moment where we were stuck in fear and we were stuck in frustration, God sent Christ, God in the flesh, so that we could be with him, so we could have peace. And there's a change coming, and he's bringing it. Look with me as we close. To Revelations chapter 21. And I pray that you stop hiding if you're hiding and say, here I am, daddy. You know, daily, daily cried out in a moment's notice, here I am. I, I know if I really want to go somewhere, I've, I've got to quit hiding. Uh, some of you need to make a decision tonight. If you're going to be with God forever, you've got to put your trust in here and say, here I am. Here I am, daddy. I, I'm ready to go. 
I would like you to close your eyes tonight, stay seated, and just picture these words of Jesus. And he's calling, saying, I've provided a way, and he's waiting for you to answer. Revelation chapter 21, listen to these words and be ready to respond. Jesus says, or the word of God says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard in a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or pain or crying, for the old order of things has passed away. He He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said, it is done. I'm the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Jesus crying out, For those who trust him or faithful to him, there will be a victory and we will be with him forever. The first thing we must do, no matter what day it is in our life, we've got to make a commitment not to hide from him, but say, here I am, I'm I'm trusting you. Christ is the one who has provided a victory. You may be facing something right now that seems completely overwhelming. Don't be like Gideon and keep putting it off. Say, God, if you're sure, if you're sure, then I'll do this. But, but step forward daily on a consistent basis. Say, God, I'm going to follow you. Tonight, we're going to declare that victory. I know many of you have, have stopped hiding a long time ago, but it may be a reminder to show yourself again. We're going to declare the victory right now. I'm going to ask Ben and Sue and Belinda, I think, uh, whoever's going to be singing tonight. And we're going to sing the, the old famous hymn, Victory in Jesus. Gideon had a victory years ago, and it's a true story, but I don't know any songs about the victory that Gideon had. But praise God, there is a song to remind us, to place in our mind that that we don't have to live in fear of sin, we don't have to live in fear of where our future is heading, but we can truly be confident about the victory in Christ. Would you stand with me as we sing? Father in heaven, let us declare tonight that, Daddy, here we are, and we're ready to go home with you. We thank you that that Christ has overcome all. Help us to to not go through the pain that Gideon had in those moments of distress and uncertainty, but help us to learn from him, learn from your people, and trust in Jesus. Lord, we declare tonight that there's victory in him. If, if Lord, if there's someone here that has never accepted uh, your plan of salvation, accepted your son as their savior, I pray they would move and say, Daddy, here I am. I accept you as my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.